Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and then most of all, there's Jerry over there, Jerome, the Jester. Most of all? Yeah, and this is Stuff You Should Know. That's right. Jerry's all dirty from shoveling coal from the steam technology episode. Uh, She is, and if you don't mind, I would like to point out something very exciting. No, I do mind. Let's keep going. Really? No. (laughs) This is the uh, very first episode out of 870 plus episodes where Josh is wearing short pants. Why would you say that? I do mind. I do mind. I take it back. (laughs) Because I've seen you wear shorts like twice in my life. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, hold on, hold on. Get a load of this. Well, aside from every morning when we tumble out of our bunk beds, of course, when you're wearing your your cut-off tuxedo pants. Those are boxers. (laughs) But yeah, you never wear shorts as a rule, so I was astounded that you wore them into the office. Well, I like astounding you. I like to just, you know, mix things up once every eight years. I look forward to what's going to happen in In year 16, 2032. (laughs) (laughs) That's some quick math, Chuck. Hey, I used to play darts. Oh, you know, there's a dartboard here, but no backboard. Yeah. It's uh, it's uh, it's just like freewheeling, who cares about the drywall kind of situation here. Pretty much. Crazy. 16 is a big number in darts, so you get used to adding and subtracting it. Hmm. Is it? Yeah. What's a bullseye worth? A million? Well, I mean, it, it depends. There's... Historically, two games that you'll play in darts, either okay. cricket right. or 01, 301 or 501. I've never heard that second one. Uh, well, that's really the main game. Like, if you watch professional darts mm-hmm. when they show it once a year on ESPN, which is great fun, by the way. Sure. Uh, they're playing 01, which is where you start with 301 or 501 and you work your way down to zero. Oh, so you're getting rid of points. Yeah. So you're throwing just for as high numbers as you can, the mm-hmm. triple mm-hmm. ring. Okay. And, um, like a ton 80 is the most you can hit. That's three triple 20s in so one throw, which is amazing. So oh, what's the what's the bullseye worth then? The bullseye in 01 is worth uh, 50 on the red and 25 on the oh, green. Okay. And then you have to, <laughs> boy, we should do a show on this. Well, yeah, I guess we are right now. And then you have to go out on an, uh, like let's say you have 32 left. Uh-huh. You have to go out on a double. So you have to hit a double 16 to go out. Man, that sounds tough. And everybody does this drunk. Yeah. That's really impressive. <laughs> right? I didn't know you played darts that much. Yeah, I played in Athens in a league and then Atlanta in a league. And, you know, Justin is, he's like chairman or something of the dart league in Atlanta, of course. <laughs> At least he makes everybody call him that, right? <laughs> yeah. Call me chairman. We should do one of darts, man. I, I used to love playing. I just uh, okay. don't do it much anymore. Okay, let's do it. So shorts, darts. And now, Customs. We, and now we podcast. <laughs> yeah. And on Wednesdays, we wear pink. Uh, today's Tuesday, though. So I'm wearing shorts. I'm wondering how many things I got wrong just in that little five minute. Thing <laughs> I on was darts. wondering <laughs> the same thing. Anytime we explain something, we get something wrong. Yeah. Have you noticed? Sure. And our job is to explain things, which is sad. I know. So, Chuckers, you know how when you go through the airport? Yes. And you come back into the country from out of the country when we were in the UK. Mm-hmm. Did you notice it took longer than usual to get through the airport to your stuff and out? 
Yes, although Emily and I got pretty lucky. Um, it was a pretty speedy experience. Oh, was it? Yeah. That's great. But it can vary wildly. Yeah, and the thing that can vary wildly is called customs. Yeah. Passing through customs. That's and actually, right. it used to be um, customs and immigration, uh-huh. which depending on the port you were flying into, whether it be a seaport, an airport, spaceport, yeah. interdimensional port. Heliport. Heliport. Um, scuba port. Sure. Submarine port. Yep. Thin airport. Ooh. I guess that's the same as an airport. Huh. Um, it, those might have been two different agencies, customs and immigration. Right. Not so in, in 2003. As of 2003, in the United States, they were mixed together and put under Department of Homeland Security, and now they're called Customs and Border Protection. That's right. And there are, there are one agency now. Yes. But the point is, is when you come through there, if you encountered back in the day the customs agency, they would have said, hey, you're a person. We don't care about you. We don't care where you've been. We don't care where you're going. We don't care where you were born. But we want to know what's on you. Right. What did you buy while you were out of the country? Did you buy something? Tell us. And they might grab your shirt and shake you a little bit if <laughs> right. they're tough guys. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, you'd start crying for sure. They'd see to it. Yeah. And then uh, if you say, well, I got this $1,000 watch, they say, you owe the United States government some money, buddy. That's right. It is a it is a way to regulate importing and exporting. Yeah. And when- Trade. Right. Trade, exactly. And, and trade is uh, obviously a very old concept, right? Yeah. Any any time one group had a surplus that another group wanted? I got lots of potatoes. Well, I got lots of wheat. Right. Let's trade. Let's trade, right? Well, at some point, people said, wait, wait, this is going way too smoothly. We need to interject a federal entity to um, extract some sort of uh, tribute from this trade. Sure. That's what a duty is. That's what a tariff is. It's yeah. a government coming in and saying, uh, we want a piece of that action. Yeah. And depending on how you look at it, it can go one way. Like you can say, well, f- the the federal government is is actually promoting domestic business. Which is true in a way, right? Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's a good way to discourage doing business overseas is by imposing heavier and heavier tariffs. Yeah, because on imports. if somebody's manufacturing potatoes overseas cheaper than they're manufactured here, yeah, um, the American people are going to say, "Well, we want these Irish potatoes. They're sure. way cheaper." Yeah, um, and, and tastes better too. Sure. And the U.S. government will say, well, we want you guys buying domestic potatoes because it helps our economy. Yeah. Have you ever been to Idaho? Right. Everybody loves Idaho. Why don't you want to help out the Idahoans? Yeah. And so they'll they'll place a tariff or a duty or just basically an extra tax on potatoes that are sourced from outside of the country coming in so that they cost about the same. So that any red-blooded American will say, well, it's about the same to buy an Idaho potato as it is to buy an Irish potato. I'm going to buy the Idaho potato. And the federal government goes, yeah. Yeah, they say, look at it. It's, it's stamped with a pesticide that says made in the USA. Yeah. <laughs> they stamp it with the pesticide. <laughs> I was thinking of how that would work. Uh, should we talk a little bit about the history of this? Yeah, because this is actually... This this uh, technique of the U.S. federal government, certainly not just the U.S. that does this, but there's customs agencies in just about any developed country around the world, and I would say developing as well. Yeah. Um. The this 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 custom of customs uh-huh. is thank you is about as old as the United States itself. Yeah, and like everything in the United States, it starts with Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> it's true. That guy is so <laughs> hot right now. He's so hot. 
Uh, I just bought some Alexander Hamilton futures the other day, so I'm sitting pretty. You just broke my brain. <laughs> uh, so what happened was, um, <laughs> Hamilton said, here's the deal, dudes. Yeah, right. We don't have taxation yet because we were fleeing that kind of junk. Right. But we're in trouble because we need some sort of revenue going to support our growing government. Well, not only that. And our growing nation's infrastructure. Plus, we have a lot of debts from the Revolutionary War. Loads of debts. Apparently, the early Congress used to decamp from one city to another because they were being chased by war veterans who were owed money. Oh, I'm sure. They had nowhere to go. They had no Washington, D.C. yet. No, but, I mean, they were... It was Congress, and they were on the run from Revolutionary War vets who wanted their money. So, while Hamilton did not himself start the U.S. Customs Service, uh, the way... Uh, where did you find this? The was National it? U.S. Customs Museum Foundation. Yeah, straight website. from the horse's mouth. Sure. They, they, they counted him as the intellectual father yeah. of customs, which I think is a great way to put it. Because he said, look, we can't have a federal government unless the federal government can support itself. And the only way the federal government can support itself is if it imposes um, levies on things that it really has nothing to do with. Yeah, so uh, President George Washington, the number one guy, yeah. said, Man, Hamilton, guy. you're on to something here. I uh, like the cut of your jib, Hamilton. But it's a little weird with domestic taxation right now. Like, Yeah, we can't do that. Yeah, people aren't keen on that just yet. Right. Uh, like, We'll screw people Far worse in the future, don't you worry. Yeah, just wait. <laughs> but right now, people aren't hip to the idea. Yeah, we tried to tax corn and the Whiskey Rebellion happened. So, so um, why don't we do this? Why don't we impose tariffs on imports and raise money that way? And let's create uh, the first Congress. Let's get together and create the U.S. Customs Service four months after we ratify the Constitution. Yeah, pretty it was quick. Really quick, and it quickly grew to be, for many, many, many years, in fact, for most of the history of the United States, mm-hmm. the single largest government agency in terms of uh, size and revenue. Yeah, for the first 122 years of its existence, it was the number one revenue generator. And then the IRS came along and they said, <laughs> "They said you can take a seat, you can uh, collect revenue." Yeah, just watch this. Yeah, and they did. In 2015, um, the customs agency uh, collected, I think, 35 billion dollars. Crazy. Yeah, the IRS. Collected three point three trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My God, I know. <laughs> My stomach turns at the thought. Yeah. Uh, wow, that really threw me. I didn't expect. I know that's enough to make you a libertarian, isn't it? <laughs> All right. So I mentioned Washington D.C. When earlier, like oh, we yeah. don't even have a wa- right, right, yeah. Money from tariffs built Washington D.C. Money from tariffs. Oh yeah. Built the transatlantic uh, transcontinental railroad. Right. Built all those lighthouses that we talked about. The Louisiana Purchase. Yeah. The Purchase of Alaska, yeah. a.k.a. Seward's Folly. 1.5 million square miles of land purchased right. using tariffs via the customs office. Right. If it hadn't have been for the customs agency, um, the United States would have only been able to expand its territory through broken treaties. Yep. The, the, Which we were fine doing. Sure. But apparently <laughs> they wanted to legitimize it somewhat. Yeah. So... Um, we said, well, we'll just pay for some of it. Yeah. Pay Napoleon. Pennies on the dollar. <laughs> Give us that area, okay? Uh, like we said, they were the first and only federal uh, law enforcement agency. And for a long time, they handled kind of everything. Oh, yeah. Um, like they were, they were doing way many more things than they should be doing. 
so out of the custom service uh, was born things like immigration, like you said. Sure. Uh, Coast Guard, Border Patrol, yeah. the VA, yeah. Public Health Service, and the DEA all were formerly, all that stuff was under the purview of the custom service. And the Census Bureau and yeah. the Standards and Measures Agency. Yeah. All those cats. Because apparently it used to be Congress would say, oh, we need this. We need to start doing this. Just have customs do it. And customs would do it for decades sure. and then finally be like, dude, you got to just, we have to calve this off as its own agency. Yeah. Eventually they, they got smart. Yeah. And now that's, that's what makes, um, what happened in 2003 so curious. Uh, customs itself got folded in with other agencies and then put under the banner of an, another larger agency. Yeah. The exact opposite of what has historically been the case. Yeah. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. Uh, so the customs agency and service has a long tradition in its early years of um, what was called the spoil system. Uh, and that's basically cronyism, uh, political loyalties and, <laughs> and hooking your buddies up and your donors up. But like fat cat jobs, not in any kind of underhanded or shady or back backroom deal way, like yeah. overtly. Yes. Like you raised a lot of political funds for my campaign. So here's a cherry position in the federal government's bureaucracy. Yeah, via the Customs Service. Yeah. And there have been some famous uh, men over the years. Yes, uh, some of our best writers, actually. Yeah, weirdly. Um, Nathaniel Hawthorne, he was um, a, a, a distant, well, not too distant. He was an ancestor of the Pilgrims. Uh, a descendant. A descendant, right. They were his ancestors. Right. Had it backwards. Uh, and he's the great grandson of the judge who, uh, sat at the Salem witch trials. Mm-hmm. So he got a fat position with the Boston Custom House as the weigher and gauger. <laughs> yeah, which apparently was pretty important because yeah. you'd be like, let me, let me gauge that steel to see how much money you owe. Right. You know? Yeah. And it allowed him to make money enough. Sure, because they would writing say, on the side. <laughs> don't you think it's a more less expensive gauge than what you just got? Yeah. And he would say, lay it on me, string bean. Yep. And he'd say, I'm going to knock off at noon today and go write some more stuff. Yeah. Like the, the, the museum website makes this case, like not just for Hawthorne, but later on for Melville too. Yeah. That both of them were able to pursue their writing careers because of the stability that the, um, working at customs gave them. Yeah. They they credit the customs agency for bringing Herman Melville out, out of an alcoholic depression following his failed attempt at a career in writing. Yeah, and I didn't even, I mean, this is a side note, but I didn't even realize that Melville was not popular until oh, yeah. after his death. Yeah. Moby Dick didn't blow up till what, like 24 years later? Something like that. Nice. Yeah, everybody's like, this book stinks. I still haven't read it, have you? No. Have you ever read Bartleby the Scrivener, though? I made it through that. No. It's one of his good, better, better short stories. It's just weird. No, I don't think I've read any Melville. That's a good one. I've got, I've got Billy Budd, and I've read maybe a third of it. Oh. It's just so tough to read that guy's writing. Yeah. I think probably even back then it, it was tough. But, you know, to be failed. A, a century and a quarter, a century and a half removed yeah. from that type of you know, thought and that type of language and, and writing. It's its even harder. It's dense. Yeah, for a while there, I was kind of of the mind of like, can I die without having read Moby Dick? And I kind of struggle with that. And then I was <laughs> you like... You could be like just about everybody yeah. else. Yeah, I was like, no, I could totally, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, so you're not going to do it, huh? No, I'd rather 
see, you know, a movie I haven't seen mm-hmm. that's only takes a couple hours of yeah, my, you can my see, like, waning years that I have in front of me. 30 movies. Like Casablanca, I've still never seen that. Man. And I need to that see that before I die. you should not die without seeing yeah, it. Yeah, and you should see Train Spotting. Sure, why not? The two classics. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh... I guess we need to talk about prohibition a little bit too with customs and their history because um we had a great episode on prohibition. Sure. What did they call it? The noble experiment? Yeah, I never called it that. <laughs> the dumb experiment. Uh but this article points out that never in the history of customs has it been more dangerous yeah. to work for customs than during prohibition. Yep. Like straight up gangster stuff. Oh who, they who were much more well funded than customs was. Right. And were they would whack you. Oh, yeah. For getting in their way. Yep. It was also like a high time for bribery, too. Customs agents were bribed like mad. Oh, I'm sure. And actually, there was like, uh, there was a, I don't know if it was a general accounting office or somebody did an investigation of, um, customs and said, they were, we haven't found any like systematic bribery going on. Right. Or systemic bribery, but just the very presence of, Drugs in the United States, like in the massive quantities it's in, yeah. indicates that somebody's getting bribed somewhere. It's just impossible not to. Uh, we should do a show on rum runners too. Sure. Cause just this little piece tickled my fancy. Um, they would, uh, they had much better boats and much faster boats than customs did. So they would bring this mothership, they called it, uh-huh. park it a few miles offshore where it was legal to be there. International water. Loaded with rum. Right. And then the speedboats would, um, or, you know, for the time, speedboats, uh, would just make runs out to this boat as fast as they could. Mm-hmm. And the customs people were like, we need speedy boats too. Right. Well, that's where speedboats came from was prohibition. Yeah. Yeah. And we, I think we already talked about the NASCAR thing with the fast cars. Came from prohibition. So a lot of speed came out of prohibition. Yes. And not the druggy kind. No. That came out of the Nazis in World War II. Oh, really? Oh, that's the rumor. Oh. I don't know. Well, uh, let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk a bit more about what customs means today. Uh, Chuck. Yes. So we're back. We're talking customs. Um, and when when you talk customs like you're talking again about a the line of defense between unfettered trade across borders mm-hmm. and um not just with not just among uh major companies like importers and exporters and um you know manufacturers and and consumers and all that yeah. but also on an individual level which is why it takes so long to come into the states or another country um, because you have to go through customs, right? Their, their, yeah. their aim is to regulate trade no matter how large or how small. Yeah. And I, I kind of was surprised that they generated the kind of revenue they did because I was only thinking about schmoes like us, but big businesses. I didn't, I mean, I was a dummy. I wasn't even thinking that they play obviously the biggest part. Oh yeah. In revenue because, uh, 
they pay those big tariffs on millions and billions of dollars worth of goods yep. that they import. And um, it's tough to regulate that kind of stuff. You can't inspect every shipping container that no, comes in. No. So it's Although, very random. There is there is something called the Safe Ports Act that was passed in 2006. And it's it called for 100% of containers that enter U.S. ports uh-huh. of any type to be scanned, either with x-rays oh, or wow. like CAT scans or something like that, uh-huh. but to be non-invasively scanned 100%. And um, it was supposed to be up to 100% by 2012. Didn't happen. They gave it a two-year extension. Didn't happen. Gave it another two-year extension. Which would be now, right? Yeah. Still hasn't happened. Yeah. And, um, but they're ramping up though. Here's the thing. There's a big debate. Like a lot, like the National Retail Federation, I think is the big mouthpiece for manufacturers in this, in this, um, argument. They're saying, dudes, this is, you can't do it. Like if you do this, it will cease trade. It will wreck trade in the United States. And other people are saying like, well, you guys need to figure that out because we've got to have our port safe. We need to know everything that's coming in. Why would it wreck trade? Because, because it, it will just hold delays up. everything. Yes, the oh, delays okay. will will like um I remember like when this first got proposed and they were trying to implement it. I think it was like an NPR piece about the port at Long Beach and there was just yeah. like all this fruit just sitting there rotting offshore because there was a line. I remember that to get to get the stuff inspected. Oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. And so they're saying still they're pushing for this hundred percent mandate yeah. and and other like the the people involved in importing and exporting and manufacturing and stuff are saying like you can't do it. You just can't do it. Yeah, there's got to yeah. be other ways. And some of the other ways they're talking about are like um uh having like e seals where like a container is verified. To have, you know, X amount of weight or whatever. Right. And then it's On the sealed digitally. Yeah. And then, um, when it enters a port, it goes through like an RFID scanner. Right. And the e-seal is verified intact somehow. Right. And, uh, then you know, or you have a pretty great idea that the, the container has not been messed with since it, its point of origin. That's an awesome idea. It is, but at the same time, you have to rely on the people at the point of origin not to be like, yeah, sure, there's the same amount of cocaine that we put in there at the at the port where we sent it from. So right. yeah, it weighs the same, but it's still cocaine that you don't want in the in the the country. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. Depending on who you are. Well, then maybe the the country of export their regulations need to be sti- uh, stiffer, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and well, and there's an international proposal. Called the um, Safety of Life at Sea, I think, where it's mandating a hundred percent of all containers worldwide need to be weighed and verified before setting sail. Interesting. So I guess if you put those together, you could have a pretty, pretty legitimate international um, trade network. We it, should do one on shipping containers sometime because apparently so. that changed the world. Well, this sounds like it could be a big part of our platform for our run for the presidency in 2020. So are we in favor of the 100% mandate, or do we think it's insane? Well, I'd say we figured that out. Okay. But either way, that's going to be a big I, I like your RFID thing. Okay. I it's don't... not mine per se. No, sure it is. I've just said <laughs> what somebody else came up with. As far as I'm concerned, it's yours. Thanks. Uh, so, all right. We were talking about business, of course, just then. But before you teased with the, the single individual, which is what most of us, unless you're an importer or exporter, mm-hmm. have had more uh, 
experience with. Sure. So what happens is you come into the United States or any country. Yeah. But we're U.S. citizens, so we'll come back home. Okay. From abroad. Sure. Which we just did after our wonderful trip to Ireland and the United Kingdom. That is true. And they count on you, um, just as the, as though they can't inspect every shipping container, they can't investigate uh, each of our individual shipping containers, which mm-hmm. is our body mm-hmm. and our suitcases. Yeah. So they count on you to honestly declare, say, I declare <laughs> that I bought. I'm not going to pay a lot for this <laughs> muffler. <laughs> that I bought uh, uh, in in France. I bought my daughter a little backpack. I think it's ugly, but she likes it. And uh, I bought my mother a tea towel at Kew Gardens. Which I just think it's gross. And that's it. That's all we bought. It was all 45 American dollars. And I'm going to write this down on a piece of paper and hand it to you and take my word for it. Yes. And we should talk about this, Chuck. Um, I found a great explainer for mental floss that really breaks down yeah. the the procedure and what the expectations of when you, the individual traveler entering the United States, are expected to say to customs, right? Yes. So $45. Surely you can just be like, who cares about a tea towel and a backpack that my daughter's using? Yeah. That's just luggage now. So anyway, um, you, you would think, obviously, you don't have to say anything about this, right? It's $45. Well, if you're a dummy. Yes. Supposedly, not only are you supposed to declare this and write down the value of what you think it is, um, or what you think the value is, or the actual value based on the receipt, um, you, if Chuck, you you take your daughter's backpack now that you've bought it and already brought it into the country. Mm-hmm. If you take it back out and like one of the straps comes off, yeah. and you get it fixed abroad, yeah, you have to write down that you got your daughter's backpack fixed abroad and how much that cost you. Yeah, or if like, uh, boy, I've been loading up on pastries in Paris. Mm-hmm. I need to have my pants let out an inch. Yeah, supposedly you have to cover that and. Claim your new larger pants. Anything you buy, inherit, or have repaired abroad. Or altered. Yep. yep. You have to pay. You have to declare. Right. You don't necessarily have to pay a duty on it, though. And that's that's um, where the exemptions come in. Yeah. And uh, it varies from country to country. In the United States, what is it, $800? It depends on where you are. 800 bucks is the typical but it can go up to sixteen hundred bucks if you're in an insular possession like Guam, American Samoa, or the U.S. Virgin Islands. Right. You can buy sixteen hundred dollars worth of stuff and get bring it in duty free. Or if you're married, you can declare as a family, mm-hmm. and each individual gets that allotment. Correct. Right. So if you have something that's like twelve hundred dollars, and Emily's bringing in something that's like four hundred dollars, you can combine the two and both jointly. Uh, com- j- jointly declare them for for sixteen hundred dollars. You can right. combine your exemptions. But let me say that on vacation, well, you've never bought anything for a thousand dollars except food and wine. Yeah, and that's a cumulative amount. Right. Nothing Maybe an exotic lizard, but that's a whole other bag. Yeah, but you know there was a good rate going on those. Right. Or bush meat. Like it's almost cheaper to buy it than not buy it. Oh, abroad. Sure, the what are you going to do, buy one here, get ripped off? <laughs> uh, I remember, my I might have said this one before, my friend Andrew one time, his old uh, grandmother was talking about how it's cheaper to go on a cruise than to just stay in New York, so she cruised all the time. Is that right? She was like, yeah, it's cheaper to go on the cruise. I don't know if that's true, but 
for her it was. Yeah. Or at least she said it was. I yeah. thought it was very quaint and funny at least. Yeah. Um, you mean I went on a cruise and there was a, a legendary woman on there who'd been on. We went in like May. Oh, she lived there's there. There's a woman who'd been on since like December. Wow. She just kept like signing up for the next cruise, stayed on the boat the whole time and was just having the time of her life. Crazy. We never saw her though. I think they just Ooh. used that to be like, yeah, don't you want to sign up for the next one? <laughs> and then when you say no, they, they don't speak to you for the rest of the, the cruise. <laughs> That'd be great actually. Don't bother me. Yeah. Leave me alone. Uh, where else? Um, there are different growth programs in, in certain countries like, uh, the Caribbean and, uh, sub-Saharan Africa where you can bring back more duty-free items. Mm-hmm. So I guess just trying to encourage more trade mm-hmm. with those places. Right. Which makes sense. Yeah. So you have an exemption up to 800 bucks. And after that, after the 800 bucks, um, you have to start paying duty on stuff, right? Duty. And obviously, if you go over by a hundred dollars, you're gonna be you're gonna get hit hard. No, what, 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 no, not the case. Oh, okay. I thought you were being serious. No, no, duty's still not that much. It's nothing. So if you if you I think a th- the first thousand dollars after your exemption, so you would have to you would have to spend eighteen hundred dollars on stuff that you're bringing back in, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's still just three percent. Yeah. So if you're trying to like, so what is that? Thirty bucks on a thousand dollars worth of of stuff? Yeah, if you if you bought a cu- things for a couple hundred dollars and you're trying to sneak it in there to avoid duty, uh-huh. you're just being foolish. You're you're a dummy. Yeah, it's like a few dollars, right, on and, that level. And the Mental Floss article actually makes the point that um, you won't even necessarily be charged that extra additional duty because that requires paperwork, right? That the customs officer has to fill out to collect. You know, five or ten bucks from you. Yeah. They're probably just going to be like, just keep it, go. Right. If it's not a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have any bags of cocaine in pellets in your stomach, do you? And you go, no, "No, come on, (laughs) look at me. And they go, all right, we'll go through. Um, And what's funny is you're allowed uh, one liter of booze. Right. 200 cigarettes. Yep. And 100 cigars. Yes. Which is a lot. It's a lot of cigars. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um. Unless you're an infant or a baby. Right. You can have the $800 exemption as a baby, but it doesn't apply to tobacco or alcohol. Right. But so you're just allowed one liter per person through customs duty free. And what's funny is everybody stops right there. Oh, well, I can't have more than one liter. Right. You can buy more than one liter. And if it's like 25 bucks, you're going to spend 75 extra cents on the duty. Right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And I just, uh, I want to go on record as saying I hate duty-free shops. Why? Because they are awful. <laughs> it's just like it's like one giant, and especially in an international airport, mm-hmm. you're forced to walk through this giant cosmetics assault of cosmetics and and perfumey scents. Yeah. And you know me and my smells. Like I start oh, yeah. sneezing walking through there, well, and it's and it's all just. I mean, duty. I was looking up. I was like, "How much of a deal is this?" And it really depends on what you're getting. Well, with with alcohol and tobacco, especially, it's usually a much better deal. Well, it's it depends on where you are and what you're buying. Like I looked up um, this one site that compared a lot of a- airports and boozes, mm-hmm. and like this one booze, I don't even know what it was it was it was something uh, some Italian booze, Cristal. In like Germany, it was fifty percent cheaper. Oh, really? So very good deal, right? But then I looked up Jack Daniels and 
they listed 14 airports around the world, and it was no more than like three dollars cheaper, right? At any of them, or three euros. I think it's more like the the thrill of buying some booze at an See, airport. I think it's a big. That's what I think it is. It's just a big scam. You're like, ooh, duty free, everybody. Well, what's funny is, is if you if you buy a thousand dollars worth of booze, yeah, um, you will get that first liter exempted. But then after that, you'll yeah. have to pay a duty on it, even if you bought it at the duty-free airport. Right. Because duty-free, when it's a duty-free store, like they're saying, we don't have to pay duty on it. Right. We're no going to pass the savings on to you. But if you're past your exemption, when you go into your home country, you have to pay duty. Right. Because the duty-free refers to the owners of the store. Yeah, they should be called duty-free for me. Right. And maybe for you, depending on where you're at with your exemption. Yeah, which is a clunky thing to call an area of the airport. (laughs) Instead, they just call it things remembered. Well, I didn't know this because I haven't been on a transatlantic flight in so many years, but they sell that junk on the plane. Oh, yeah. They were walking up and down the aisle hawking watches. That that doesn't bother me as much as the credit card, pushing the credit cards. Yeah. They have like a seven-minute announcement about how they have this great credit card deal and get it now and don't you want this? And then they send the people up the aisle like, credit card, credit card, who wants a credit Mm, card? I just want to fly in peace. Yeah. That's what I want. And just, you know, just uh, all I want to do is just fly on Delta and (laughs) listen to Stuff You Should Know and watch Internet Roundup. Uh. Hey, shout out to Virgin Atlantic, though. I had a good experience flying with them. They're a partner of Delta's. I wouldn't expect anything less. Yeah, it was very nice. They don't nickel and dime you, and I said that on the website. No, they're pretty awesome. Or on Facebook the other day, and someone uh, from the U.K. said, what does nickel and dime you mean? Shilling and tuppence. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Pence and (laughs) farthings? Maybe. Um, No, I said it's, I guess it's a strictly American term for, like, just charging you little bits for every little thing. Like, you know, the pillows this much, the movies this much, the earphones oh, this yeah, much. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Like, you know, all the movies are free. They give you headphones, which I already had my own, and give you an eye mask and a toothbrush, and mm-hmm. it's all just very nice and civil, mm-hmm. like it used to be. And they'll put you in a sleeper hold until you fall asleep if you ask them to? Yeah, this lovely English gentleman put me in a sleeper. <laughs> it was hilarious. He said, nighty night. <laughs> <laughs> you sleep now, mate. All right. Have we covered duty in its fullness? No, but we should probably take a break. All right, and we'll... More duty after this. Alright, Chuck, we're back. And we're talking about duty. <laughs> I hate duty. Do you? No, I just hate the. I already went off on duty free. Yeah. Oh, I've got a tip for you though. It feels like just this that gross consumerism, like Black Friday. Oh yeah, no, I know. Like duty free. Let me buy booze and perfume. I know what you mean. The thing is, a a smart traveler tip for you here: if you ever have a layover at an airport, yes, make your way, and especially if it's early morning or you had an overnight flight or whatever. Uh Make your way to the duty-free section. Go to that cosmetic section and look for stuff like toner or under-eye balm or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And, brother, it is refreshing. Really? Yeah, they've got all the samples there, and it's like just stuff that will like make you feel human again. I like the Just a little spray. boost, just enough to get you where you're going. All right, back to duty. Um, 
Well, here's a few things. Uh, I thought mental floss is always so great I, about. I want to. I want to point out, Chuck. Every single time one of us has said said duty, uh-huh. Jerry's like snickered. <laughs> she has, yeah, because um, she thinks it's spelled D O O D Y. Mental floss is always so great about adding uh, fun little lists to their articles. Yeah, listicles. Yeah, well, this isn't quite a listicle, but they they gave a few examples of um, some weird regulations. And they have one on absinthe. Uh, oh, yeah. You, you can bring absinthe back, but it has to be, it cannot have the ingredient, how do you pronounce that? Uh, T-H-U-J-O-N-E? Thujone? Th- yeah, sure. Thujone? Thujone? I don't know what the country of origin is. I didn't even know that was in there. I thought wormwood was the active ingredient. Well, this may, it may not be the active ingredient. I don't know. But, uh, and, and then custom says the term absinthe cannot be the brand name and it cannot stand alone on the label. The actual word absinthe and this one's hysterical. Mm-hmm. The artwork cannot project images of hallucinogenic, psychotropic or mind altering effects. <laughs> right. Like it can't have on the bottle like a guy going, whoa. Right. It can't be wowie zowie brand absinthe. Yeah. Which of course, yeah, that would be psychedelic. Sure. Um, Everybody knows wowie zowie means. Oh, I thought you were going to say wavy gravy. That's what I was thinking. That one, that would work too. Uh, what else? Um, oh, oh, you can't, as of 2000, the year 2000, you can't bring in anything made of dog or cat fur. Awesome. Yeah, I can't believe that this is a law that had to be passed. Well, in other countries, they do different things with dogs and cats, you know? So you can't, you, if you have a dog skin cap, you better prepare to have that thing confiscated at the border. Yeah, and spanked by me. Uh, <laughs> you just hang out at customs. I do. <laughs> Bring them over here. Yeah. Uh, this one is interesting. Um, Haitian animal hide drums mm-hmm. from uh, animal skin. You can't take it back because of uh, anthrax. And remember our own Stuff You Should Know TV show had a subplot in an episode about a disease from a drum brought back oh, by yeah. fake Jerry. That's right. Played by Lucy Wainwright. Yes. She brought back a drum that had, was it anthrax? Uh, was it necrotizing it was fasciitis? Is that what that one was? Yeah, it had some disease on the drum head. Mm-hmm. But apparently, and we wrote those episodes, so I guess we got it from the fact that it's a real thing. Yeah. I just don't remember. I don't either. I don't even recall our TV show. I don't either. I drank to forget. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Chuck. Yes. We haven't really talked about the big thing that that um, customs is known for, not just regulating trade and shipping containers and all that, but thwarting smugglers, right? Yes. Because there's uh, you talked a little bit about rum runners, and that kind of thing still goes on. There's yeah. speedboat chases. Yeah. Um, they can search you in an airport. Sure. Yeah. That's that's the thing about customs is they do not have to have a warrant. To search you. Nope. They don't even have to have probable cause. No, nope, they can just they say, can say, take everything out. Yeah. I, I don't like what your hair looks like. I think you look like a drug smuggler. Yeah, and come into this room and take your clothes off. And there's like a storied um, history, I guess, of, of customs agents like just looking at somebody and being like, that guy's a drug mule. And the person turns out to be a major drug mule. Yeah. And they, they tried, I read this article in Los Angeles Times, I can't remember what it's called, but, um, it, it was about how the customs agency is trying to 
quantify that or turn it into like a seminar. Right. Like take these like decades of experience and yeah. intuition and figure out how to, yeah, how to sniff somebody off the case. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and apparently they've turned to behavioral science and really like are, are there, there's courses that they, they teach, um, customs and border patrol, um, or border protection, uh, how to, suss out lying or deception how to racially profile probably yeah um but i think it's the in this particular so it's a different course right this one is um they say uh well if somebody you know uh, has a hat or a newspaper or right. something like that they might put it between you and them because they're putting up a barrier because oh, yeah. they're, they're deceiving they, like, the like micro expressions right and- micro expressions body language um uh, speech patterns. Right. Uh, like, I, I guess if you, if you have a very pat, streamlined answer of where you were abroad. Right. That's going to raise a flag. Interesting. If you are, if you're you know, smooth. kind of back, yeah, if you're too smooth, that's way, way more unusual than somebody being like, well, also, you know, I mean, I went to Canada and I wasn't going to go to Canada, but one of my friends <laughs> said, let's go to Canada. So we went, but, yeah. you know, we were just going to hang out and, in, in 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 New York, right? That's, so that's how why I'm here. Yeah, that's step over here. No, that's go oh. on through. Oh, it is. You're you're such an obvious idiot. You couldn't possibly be trusted with a bunch. I of I thought drugs. there was a middle ground. If you're like, uh, I just went to Montreal. Why do you ask? Right. Then right. they they would say, take they'd those, say, take Mr. Those Clark, pants off. You clearly have a suitcase full of Fabergé eggs. What do you have in those shorts? <laughs> uh, but you were uh, talking about drugs, which is which is the big thing. Um. Yeah, and again, I think you said that the DEA finds its origins in customs, right? That's right. And they, everyone works in concert today. Uh, the Customs Service will work with the DEA and the Coast Guard and immigration and naturalization, uh, because they all want to keep the drugs out. So, like, the Customs Service will have a, a plane, one of those radar planes that flies very high above looking at boats. And then they'll see a boat that looks shady and they'll call down to, let's, like, the Coast Guard. Or maybe their own office who calls the Coast Guard. They say, go out and let's see what's going on on that boat. Yeah. And the, co- what I think, the description of this is hilarious. They basically just chase them in a boat until the guys decide to stop. What else are you going to do? And then they board the boat and say, put up your, your hands. <laughs> yeah. And they do. Uh, if they have a plane, they will get a couple of things going on them. A jet plane to track from way behind and then a Black Hawk helicopter. All right. To follow right behind the plane, then they don't see him. Yeah, behind and beneath. Yeah. Uh, and apparently, yeah, you can't see. And I was thinking about them, like, yeah, there's no side view mirrors yeah. on a plane. It's just hysterical to think about a drug plane just flying along, like, this yeah. is great. Dun, there's a bl- dun, dun, Black Hawk dun, helicopter dun, dun, right dun, below dun. them. Right. Just like, all right, suckers, just go ahead and land and then we'll, we'll introduce ourselves. Right. And that's what they do. Yep. And some people just say, I'll take my chances yeah. walking through an airport with cocaine taped to my body. These are the people that make for the best um, crazy stuff smuggled through uh, customs or crazy ways to smuggle drugs. But I wonder how many, like, you hear about it on the news when someone gets caught. Right. People get away with it a lot, I bet. Right, because uh, that's what they're doing. They're playing the odds. That you're just not going to get sniffed out. No, right, exactly. Um, and I think it's it's... Probably exceedingly difficult these days to make it through. Yeah. Especially if you don't actually have it physically deposited inside your body. Right. Because of the, not just the drug dogs, but they have, um, they have devices that can smell air. 
essentially it's a it's a sniffing device. Yes. Um, and it 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 figures out what molecules are floating around the air, and if it's like, oh, well, this is cocaine. Uh, there's probably cocaine in that person's suitcase or whatever. Yeah, an electro vacuum is what that's called. Right. Amazing. It's difficult to get around that. Difficult to get around a dog. Plus, yeah. also, you're also being scrutinized by the customs agent himself or herself. So, it, I would imagine it's very tough to get it through unless you've ingested it. And some people have. There's a dude who got oh, yeah. caught in, I think, Miami or Fort Lauderdale. In 2015, he'd swallowed a hundred and I think 48 pellets of coke. Jeez. Three pounds he had in his stomach. That's so dangerous. And another woman got busted with three pounds in her breasts. I remember that as one. As breast implants. Crazy. So you'll still get busted, but I think you make a good point. I, I, I really wonder what the estimate is. Yeah. For how many people who actually do make it through. Yeah. Unmolested. Yeah. Uh, here was our deal coming back in this time. It was way easier and quicker than I thought. Like, we filled out the little customs card on the plane. They didn't even ask for that. Yeah, I We walked up and they just, out. they asked for a couple of questions. Like, what did you bring in? And we said, you know, a few gifts. How much was it worth? You know, $80. Right. And they said, all right, welcome back. And I was like, is that it? Walked through to the luggage. Mm-hmm. And I thought there would be a more, uh, heavily scrutinized, process after that or something yeah and there wasn't there were a couple of beagles very cute drug sniffing beagles and uh they were walking around and that was it and then we got our stuff and left well your bags had already i'm sure been x-rayed and crazy like exposed to some other stuff yeah um and and it's not just like at the airport at at ports, like the the border between Mexico and the United States, yeah, they have like truck size X rays. Yeah, you that they make drive semis your car. drive through. That's and crazy. They, you they X ray them, um, and that's part of that hundred percent initiative. They they want to be able to do that to a hundred percent of everything, all containers coming in the United States. Like I said, or they have uh, X ray rooms, like in Total Recall, where you just walk everyone through this yeah. room, right? And they look for weird bulges, right? Um, or I mean, hollow. Empty spots that shouldn't be there. You still haven't seen Spinal Tap, have you? I have. Oh, you did? Yeah, but I don't remember a lot of it. When uh, the bass player, uh, Derek Smalls, played by Harry Shearer, uh-huh. he's going through and he has metal on him and they have the uh, the metal wand right. and it's going off every time they pass over his, his crotch, his groin area. <laughs> and he's like, you know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. And finally, he takes a, he had a, uh, a cucumber wrapped in tinfoil. Stuffed down his pants. <laughs> Why would it be wrapped in tin foil? Well, that's just part of the greatness of that joke, I think. That is a good joke. You know? Yeah. It was very funny. Um, <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, one of the things that got me, which is pretty smart, so um, they might take a dog on a plane. And, oh, like after it's deboarded? Yeah, and have the dog sniff around. Yeah. Uh, because they may miss it as you're walking past, but if you've been sitting on a plane for eight hours, that drug smell is going to get into the seat. <laughs> yeah, and you if be the, farting cocaine smells. Exactly. Into that seat. And if that dog sniffs that, they'll say, well, who was in 13B? And they'll say, oh, well, Josh Clark was. You're in the duty-free shop thinking like, I just got away Home with free. it. Home free. <laughs> I'm putting some moisturizer <laughs> on my face. Thinking about all the money I'm going to have to buy moisturizer with, and uh, yeah, they come get me. Yeah, yeah. Next thing I know, there's a beagle sitting down next to me, looking up, (laughs) 
<laughs> and I go, uh-oh. Uh, you know what you do, though? You just spray some rose water in the beagle's face. Real quick. <laughs> and run. <laughs> and run. And make a cap out of its fur. Oh. Why'd you have to go there? Uh, another thing that they're looking for is cash money. Um, oh, yeah. Laundering money and getting it out of the country is, is a big deal. Yeah, the uh, customs sees something like $53 million in bulk currency, yeah, bulk cash. I think, what is it, Ten grand that you have to declare coming back into the U.S.? Yeah, anything, anything over, over that. Anything over that? Mm-hmm. And you, they're not going to, you can take as much in and out as you want. Yeah. But you have to declare it because they want to keep track of that kind of stuff. Because yeah. I don't know if we said, um, in addition to goods, being imported and exported, a country, especially like a, a centralized um, federal government, wants to know uh, where its arms are going. Sure. They want to keep a tight tight uh, control of that and where its money's going because you can destabilize a country with both of those things. Yeah. And so they try to keep a pretty good eye on where it's going and, and where it's coming from. Not not just in the that it, it could destabilize the government, but they want a piece of it. Yeah. They want to tax that stuff. Yep. You know. So um, yeah, one of the easiest ways to launder money is to just smuggle it from one country to another. Smuggle it out of the U.S. to a country that's not really paying nearly as much attention. Bam! You got some legitimate funds. Yep. And we did a episode of money laundering, correct? Yes, we did. And uh, we did one on police dogs. Yeah. Our stank is all over this thing. It is. Uh, and then finally, one of the things that um, is a big deal, if you've ever traveled in and out of California, let's say, is one example, um, they actually have a produce um, stop. Yeah. Where you're stopped in your car and they say, do you have any uh, produce on you, any vegetables, any plants? Just a cucumber with tinfoil wrapped <laughs> around it. Uh, these are actually legal goods, but they are prohibited in certain areas because of uh, infestations of various pests. And notably in California in the 1980s, a couple of things happened. The 1980s was a bad decade for the medfly in California. Mm. Um, early on in the early 80s, it was a bad infestation. And uh, then Governor Jerry Brown had a series of missteps on whether or not to spray um, the state uh, with this gross stuff that would kill the flies, uh-huh. but also have bad effects in the environment. Okay. And he was an environmentalist, and it was, I think, I can't remember, I think he eventually did spray, but waited too long and cost the state a lot of money, but he also angered the environmentalists. Jello Biafra was like, idiot. Probably. I mean, there was, uh, it may have been a no-win situation. Um, and I'm sure some Californians will have a better memory of this than me. Um, but supposedly in the late 80s, there was one piece of bad fruit that caused a big medfly outbreak. Mm-hmm. And then I looked up, in 1989, there was a an intentional, supposedly, eco-terrorist attack. Oh, yeah? Where a group called the Breeders unleashed medflies in response, in retaliation against all the spraying. Wow. Which doesn't make any sense, because that would only mean they'd have to spray more. You yeah, know? no, that's not well, very sensible. They didn't really think it through. But I think that they eventually said... I don't think this is real. I think this was a hoax letter, but we also can't explain the concentration of some of these outbreaks, mm-hmm. and it perhaps may have been intentional. Huh. Who knows? Wow. Yeah, eco-terrorism. Yeah, that's pretty surprising. But the idea that the first one, though, was just completely accidental. It was one bad piece of fruit that one traveler brought Supposedly, through, right? I couldn't find, like, 
uh, Mango Zero <laughs> that started it. Right. And I looked around a bunch, but I couldn't find like verification on that. Huh. Interesting though. Um, but yeah, H- Hawaii's really big on that too. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And then, um, I don't know if you remember, but last year, I think in May of 2015, Johnny Depp caused a huge stink. He and Amber Heard. By opening his mouth. <laughs> were, <laughs> and he breathing. and Amber Heard were, um, like they were in Australia for, I think, a premiere of one of those Pirates of the Caribbean things. Ugh. And, um, he, like they just brought their dogs with them on a private jet. Oh, yeah. Without I remember that. Sending them through quarantine. Sure. Caused a huge stink. And rightfully so. Yeah. He's like Johnny just Depp. the arrogance. Yeah. And Amber Heard is Amber Heard, you know? Like, sure. I think both of them are just like, we don't have to deal. We'll just bring the dogs. Yeah. Who cares? It's, who cares about the stupid quarantine law? Yeah. This uh, continent's just an island. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. It's, uh, what do they call that? Privilege? Yes. Rules don't apply to Entitlement? Yeah, entitlement. Yeah. Um. We just shame them. Well, good. Yeah. Johnny Depp doesn't listen to this. Uh, I think you're right. Uh, finally, I already said finally, uh, cultural artifacts are regulated, although fine art supposedly is not subject to tariffs. Is that right? Right. And duty. No, and they're big into cultural artifacts because um, so much of it is looted. Yeah. Uh, I, su- I should say illegitimately looted. All those things are looted. Yeah. Um, but ICE, apparently, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, is big in cultural artifacts rep- repatriation. Right. And there's a difference between ICE and Customs and Border Patrol or Border Protection. Yeah. And apparently, Customs and Border Protection... Um, staffs the borders. They protect the borders. And then ICE, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, uh, carries out law enforcement that has to do with customs and immigration within the United States. Gotcha. So once you make it through, once you make it past customs and border protection, you still have to deal with ICE coming and finding, you know, like kicking down your door. Right. And being like, give us back that Mesopotamian tablet. And they say, who are you? And they say, we're ice. And they, they, yeah. Yeah. And it's played by The Rock. I imagine uh, the guy from The Shield as oh. ice. The, the bald dude? Yeah. I never saw that. I heard it was good, though. Great show. Yeah? Yeah, it was definitely um, uh, overshadowed by The Wire, because they both came out at about the same yeah, time. Yeah, and The Wire was and so great. And it's just not a fair comparison. They're just yeah. two different shows. But it was nuts, man. Like, there were several episodes that were, like, episode four, the first season of True Detective. Just right. insane from beginning to end, you know? Yeah, I think I realized after our talk when I said I didn't watch, um, was it NYPD Blue? Mm-hmm. I think I no, realized. No, you said Law and Order. Yeah, Law and Order. I have an aversion to co-op shows. Oh, yeah? I think so. Huh. Like, I watched The Wire, and I watched Hill Street Blues. Okay. In the 80s. I never watched that. Ooh, I love that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is funny because it wasn't like a kid show for 12 year old kids. <laughs> I know. Uh, and I, I don't think I've watched a whole lot of, like, I watched Dexter some, but that wasn't exactly. Yeah, that's more of a serial killer show than a cop show. Yeah. And it got really or bad. Or a forensic show. Man, off the rails is. Yeah. But yeah, I don't watch a lot of cop shows. Huh. I did watch True Detective season one. That kind of counts. That too. went off the rails too. What, for season two? For season one, like the last couple episodes. Oh, yeah. It was kind of a letdown. Yeah. Whatever. Who cares, right? Or it went on the rails. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, who cares? It's TV. It's not important. 
And we can say that because we had a TV show. Yeah. It really didn't change our lives in any way. (laughs) (laughs) You got anything else? Nope. So that's customs. If you want to know more about it, there is plenty more to know. You can type that word in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to say this is uh, something to open all of our eyes. Uh, Hey, guys, as a Canadian, I was happy to spend uh, one long walk recently listening to the mysterious feet washing up on the shores of B.C., British Columbia. You said that they have a shockingly large number of missing persons cases. And uh, while that's true, you guys expressed surprise and threw out a few humorous suggestions on why. But there's one concrete factor that really contributes to the high rate of missing individuals. It doesn't get a lot of airtime internationally, but only recently became newsworthy within Canada even. Uh, disappearance and murder of native and indigenous women who live in the province. Have you heard of this? Yeah, a couple of people emailed in right after that first oh, really? one came out. Yeah, Very sad. Yeah. Uh, she said, no one likes to talk about it, it seems. Uh, one, our last prime minister even straight up said in an interview that missing and murdered native women were not a priority for the government. Jeez. Uh, I know. As far as I can see, uh, the why is pretty clear. It's happening, and it's allowed to happen because of sexism and, more importantly, racism. Uh, you two are really great at making sure you challenge sexism whenever you can. And I commend you for that. I thought it was a, a missed opportunity, though, to discuss racism uh, and open it up to a similar discourse. Um, and I emailed her back, and I was like, well, I didn't know about this. Yeah, right. I to- we totally would have. Uh, thank you so much for continuing to do the show. When people ask why I love it so much, I simply tell them that your camaraderie and ease makes me feel like I know you both. Uh, it's always fun to listen uh, to things explained by your friends. And that is Emily Owens Thanks, Emily. in Kuala Lumpur, but of Montreal. Of Montreal, huh? Canada. Nice. And she, uh, by the way, there's follow-up on this, an article from Media Smarts um, called Media Portrayals. Well, this is the URL, at least. Just Google um, Media Smarts and Missing and Murdered Aboriginal Women. And then she said there's also a great documentary called Highway of Tears, but heads up, will make you feel crappy for days. Let's just do one on that. Yeah, we should. She didn't say crappy either. She said cruddy? (laughs) Yeah, she said cruddy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Emily. We appreciate that. And uh, keep an ear out for an episode on that sometime down the road. Totes. Mm. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. Um, you can hang out with me too on Twitter at Josh Um Clark. You can hang out with us on Facebook.com slash stuff you should know. Yeah, and I got my own little personal public figure page now. Charles That's W. Right. Chuck Bryant is a lot of fun. Nice. Like the, uh, the original stuff you should know fans are hanging out there. Oh, yeah, that's the place to be. It is. Uh, you can uh, send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 